0: Thanks for listening to the High Street Young Adults podcast. For more information and how to get connected, check out highstreet.org slash Uh Hey, Young Adults, how are you doing tonight? You doing good? You excited to be at Young Adults? I was talking to somebody earlier. I said, there's really no better place to be but at High Street Young Adults on a Tuesday night. Is that right? Is that right? Everyone knows. Hey, if you know, you know. (laughs) Man, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, I really see this just as such an honor and and a privilege to be speaking tonight. I've been going to High Street for about five, maybe six years now, and and some of my favorite communicators and speakers get to preach from the stage. And so just to be able to be here and and join into that group of guys is just incredible. Uh, I want to thank Logan, Jared, and Coco uh, for this opportunity. A little bit about me. Uh, I'm currently a student at Baptist Bible College. Go Patriots, where my Patriots at. There we go. Special shout out to Sean Coleman for uh, almost dunking in our championship basketball game. With respect for that. I can't do that. But uh, no, uh, so I'm currently a student at Baptist Bible College. I'll be a junior in one day. In one day, I will be a junior. I'm excited for this semester to be over. No more weekends of homework. Uh, no, so one more day. And uh, I love my time at BBC. If you know anyone from Baptist Bible College, you probably know uh, that we do some pretty crazy things, some pretty stupid things uh, about every week. Uh, we'll hold our girlfriend's hands. We'll walk to class, like just crazy things uh, like that. We're Baptist, so, you know, we try to keep it mellow. I'm kidding, obviously. Um, no, but I, I really, if you know anyone from BBC, you know that we do some, uh, some crazy things. Uh, we, my first week, like, we did Roman Candle wars. I was like, all right, this, this is what we're doing for four years. That's cool. Uh, we've thrown fireworks into people's bed. Like, we've done the whole, whole nine year. Things that you're like, how are you guys still students at, at that college? Uh, but I think the craziest thing we ever did was my freshman year, I had, we had a, this group of friends. There's was like six of us guys, and uh, you, don't even know, you don't even need to know who's in the group. I can tell you, uh, we were called the dogs, and that's about everything that you need to know uh, about who was in that group. Uh, especially, this will tell you, we, we spelled it D-A-W-G, and the S was a dollar sign. So that's about, you don't need to know anything else about who was in that group. That tells you uh, just about everything. But uh, one Saturday... We're like, how could we make our dorm experience uh, better than what it is right now? And, you know, Saturdays are for the boys. You got to do something crazy on Saturday. And so what we decide to do, we're like, you know what makes everything better ever is a hot tub. A hot tub makes everything in the world just incredible. And so what we decide to do, we're like, okay, let's go to Target uh, because Target's incredible. Let's go to Target. Let's get a pool. And we're not talking like the plastic kiddie pool circle thing. We're talking like full-blown, like 10 feet long, four feet wide. Like we're talking a full-on blow-up pool. We, we purchase this. We get an air mattress, like blow-up thing. And we, we decide to blow up uh, this this pool, and then we get hot water from the shower uh, in our communal showers. That was probably, that just shows you we were freshmen. Uh, We we got hot water from our shower and it filled it up. Uh, It was incredible. We practiced baptizing each other. Uh, Just some Bible college uh, necessities is what we were doing. And uh, it it was a fun time. Um, We thought it was incredible, but our RA did not think that it was incredible. Um, We decided to post it on Snapchat, which is where everything good goes in the world. And so we posted on on one of our friends' Snapchat story. And our RA, like, 10 minutes later, like, walks into the room. We're in the dorm, so, like, they're all in there. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, why do you, like, we're just, like, chilling there with no shirts on. Like, it's like the whole, I mean, we're, like, vibing in, in our dorm room in a hot tub. And he's just, like, why are you guys doing this? Like, he said we were bending the structural integrity, which that's still under questioning. Uh, I don't know if that was true. Uh, but we're just like, wh- he's just, like, what are you guys doing? So, anyway, long story short, we get, we get written up, obviously. We have to go to the dean of men's office. And uh, I love our dean of men, Bill Levergood. He's incredible. He's But he is very intimidating, very, very scary. And so we were all, it was was me and three other guys. So we're like, we're chilling. We're like, yeah, I'm cool. Like, I'm not even like, not even nervous to go talk to this guy. On the outside, we're like, yeah, it's cool. Like, we're not going to get kicked out. Um, But I I will tell you for myself that I was terrified. And I didn't know if I was going to make it past a year in Bible college, uh, let alone a semester. Uh, So long story short. We didn't get run up. We got a $10 fine. So uh, freshman at BBC, if you do it, it's pretty much worth it. Uh, it's only $10. Uh, and while that story is funny, it is, it is a funny story, um, I think there's a lot of times in life, uh, like I said, you know, I was, I was anxious. I was fearful. I didn't know really what was going to happen. I think there's a lot of times in life where we, we get put in those same type of circumstances, where, where we feel like maybe we were following God and we were taking a step in faith and then it doesn't feel like he followed us there or, or that he was there with us. Uh, I think we get into situations where we're like, God, is this all you had for me? Because I'm a little confused as, as to what's going on. And I think there's a lot of times in life where we're in situations where, where we're overtaken by fear and we're overtaken by doubt. And I think a lot of that has to do with a lack of faith, a lack of faith in uh, a God. And so I think that tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about the formula for faith. So if you have your Bible, uh, you can open up to Exodus chapter 14. If you don't have your Bible, we have the Sky Bible right here that will uh, have the words for it. There you go. Look, that's incredible. Uh, just so you know, I'm not making any of this stuff up. Um, so we're going to go ahead. I'm going to open up some context as to what's happening in this passage. So this is Exodus chapter 14. What's going on, if you grew up in, in church or you know, you've been reading your Bible for a while, uh, you know that this is the passage where Moses splits the Red Sea. Incredible passage. But what I want to highlight today is actually what Moses talks about and how, how they respond to the Israelite people. Uh, just before he splits the Red Sea. So kind of what's going on is we have the Egyptians, we have Egypt, and we have Pharaoh, who Pharaoh is the king of Egypt, and then we have the Israelites, who are God's chosen people, and they're led by a man named Moses. And so what basically is happening is for 430 years now, Moses and the Israelites have been slaves in Egypt for 430 years. So they've been slaves, and then so what God does is he decides to curse the land of Egypt, and there's a bunch of plagues that happen, and then basically what happens is he's like, I'm tired of this, y'all can go. It's like, I don't know, I forgot how many days of, of plagues anyone in Bible college can find out. Does anyone know how many days of plagues it was? My hermeneutics professor is in here, so he should know somewhere. But okay, and it doesn't matter. But anyways, they get cursed with these plagues, and so they're, what is it? Pharaoh's like, yeah, y'all can get out of here. I don't want you in here anymore. And so we, we jump in in verse five, and it says this. When word reached the king of Egypt that the Israelites had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds. What have we done letting all those Israelite slaves get away? Remember, they were slaves in Egypt. Uh, so Pharaoh harnessed his chariot and called up his troops. He took up with him 600 of Egypt's best chariots, along with the rest of the chariots of Egypt, each with its commander. So if you need, like, a highlight, basically imagine Casey Wood, uh, you know, you got, like, your star athlete uh, playing. I told him that I would mention him. <laughs> I knew Natalie would scream. Um, So the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so he chased after the people of Israel who had left with fists raised in defiance. The Egyptians chased after them with all the forces in Pharaoh's army, all his horses and chariots, his charioteers, his troops. The Egyptians caught up with the people of Israel as they were camped beside the shore near, you can fill in the blank, across from Baal That's the best one I got. Uh, As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. And this next response is what's really important tonight for you to understand. But Moses told the people, Don't be afraid, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today, they will never be seen again. The Lord himself is fighting for you. Just stay calm. Jesus, we thank you that tonight that you promise us that you're fighting our battles. God, we thank you that we have every reason in the world to have faith in you. God, that you've proven time and time again that we can trust you. God, I pray that tonight we would be characterized by our faith and that we would learn how in situations to trust you instead of to to lack that faith that we need. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So I'm titling my message tonight, I've Got the Formula. Tell your neighbor, I've Got the Formula. And so what I'm talking about tonight is think back to grade school. You know, you've got the formula, all the dreaded formulas uh, that you have to memorize for math. And, I mean, you can think, I don't understand how they did this, but some way, somehow, they got us all to memorize that X equals negative B plus or minus the square root of a bunch of stuff and then put it over 2A. And so we would use that when you're in a test, and then you would plug your number in for X, and then you would magically have your answer. You're like, cool, I've got my formula. I'm good. And what was so interesting is that if you had your formula in the test, that you were probably going to pass, that you were probably going to be fine, that you were probably going to be okay. And I wonder today, how can we learn the formula for faith so that when we are in tests, so when we're in trials, that we can also choose to have faith? I wonder if God has given us a formula for our faith. This formula that I believe that God has given us is, is Moses' response to the Israelite people. I think it's the response that he said, and so we're gonna break down the three major things that he tells the Israelite people. The first is, don't be afraid. I think what's important to understand and to know is in chapter 13, right before this, we hear how God was actually leading the Israelite people. He was leading them with what was, they say, a pillar of cloud. So imagine just a ginormous cloud. They say that it would have been large enough to cover the entire uh, group of Israelites, which would have been millions is what a lot of people think. And so it was in the front of the group, and it was leading them, and it was the visible image of God to the Israelite people as he was leading them and as they were following. And so just to build some imagery, we have the, the pillar of cloud in front of them. We have God leading them in front of them. And then behind, as the scriptures say, was the, or the Egyptians. They had, they had caught up to them. The scripture says this. As Pharaoh approached, the people of Israel looked up and panicked when they saw the Egyptians overtaking them. What I think is interesting is that Up until this point, they had been following this pillar of cloud, which was the the visible image of God. And then they never decided to freak out until they turned around and they saw the Egyptians coming from behind them, and they decided to panic. And what I think is interesting is is it doesn't say that the Egyptians began to engage in war with them or even that the Egyptians attacked them. What it says is that they just were overtaking them, that they, they turned around and they saw them and they began to panic. And I, I, what I think the reason behind this is, is, is because they decided to take their eyes off of God and put their eyes on their problem. And I think it's easy for us in 2021 to look and say, oh, dang, the Israelites, like, they suck. Like, why would you do that? Like, you have God in front of you. Or, yeah, like, why would you do that? But I think there's a lot of times in life where we do the exact same thing, where, where we ask God, hey, I want you to make me a person of faith. I wanna grow in my relationship with you this year. And then we get challenged or we get tested in our faith and then we act as if God betrayed us. We act as if God left us when we were the ones who asked to have faith, to grow in our faith. See, it wasn't until the Israelites took their eyes off of God and put their eyes on their problem that they began to be overtaken with fear. One of my favorite communicators, Chad Veach, says this. You need to stop telling your God how big your problems are and you need to start telling your problems how big your God is. And I think that's so true because what, what we need to understand is, you know, you may have an issue, but God has a solution. That you may have a mistake, but God has forgiveness. And I think a lot of times what the enemy wants to do is he wants to, he wants to make your problem seem so so big and, and like, tra- like traumatic and where you, you don't know a way out. But I want you to understand that, that God never left. The, God never left the Israelites. He was still in front of them every single moment of their travel. But they decided to turn around and look at their problem. And I think that's why they began to be overtaken with fear. I think the response to Moses and, and to God is, is so interesting. It was as if they forgot that, that it was God who led them to where they were. Scripture says this in verse 10. They cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you that this would happen? Didn't we tell you? We were still, while we were still in Egypt, we said, Leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. I think this response is, is just so interesting. See, what's important to remember is it's not like, you know, they, they said things like, why did you make us leave Egypt? But I, what I'm confused about is, did they remember that they were slaves in Egypt? Did they remember that they were in bondage while they were in, while they were in Egypt? See, I wonder, you know, it's, it's fascinating that it was God who led them there, yet they were still confused, it was God that led them to the desert. It was God who led them to the Red Sea. And, and what's important to understand here is culturally, they would have known a better way because they were traveling to the promised land, which is this area of land that God promised to give them, kind of in the name, promised land. Um, but what they're traveling, and they, they know this area of land, and, and they actually knew of a quicker route to get there. It would have been a lot easier. But, but for some reason, God did not bring them through that route. And so I wonder today, what, what situation... What season of life, what circumstance are you going through that you might think, why, God, are you challenging me in this? Why have you brought me here? And I wonder if that season of singleness that you're in, that season of doubt, that season of question, that season where you feel like you're at your end, what if that's the exact spot that God wants you to be at? What if that's exactly where God wants you to be? See, we have to learn to trust God. Just like the Israelites had to learn to trust God and understand that. Because he, here's the thing, God always has the bigger picture in mind. God knows what's best for your life. And, and I think sometimes our plans don't work out because God has a better one for us. Because God actually saying, hey, I, I, know, you don't, I know this doesn't make sense, I know you're confused, but just hold on a little, tr- just trust me. Just trust and see what I am doing. We have to trust God. The second thing that Moses says is watch the Lord. The verse says this, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. See, I really like the part that says, watch the Lord rescue, rescue you today. The part I don't like is just stand still. Because I don't know about you, but when I go through situations in life, when I go through seasons where it's like hard and I don't know where God is, my response is, it's, it usually is not, okay, like, you know what, God, I know, I know you got this. I know you're working it out for my good. Like, scripture says that, we're cool. I think a lot of times what I, my response is, let, okay, God just... Go sit on the bench, let me, let me take control here. Let me do what, what I, let me just do what I'm trying to do. Let me ask you if this sounds familiar. I wrote, I wrote a couple of situations down where you may feel this way. I put, I'm single, maybe I'm just not putting myself out there. My, my boss fired me, I'll just work really hard not, just to make money for myself. I know God maybe has something lined up and he says that he'll provide for me and said I'll just, I'll work really hard to make sure I can provide for myself. Or, or maybe you struggle with an addiction and and you say, God, I know that you tell me I need to confess it to others and I need to like join a small group, but that's cringy and I don't want to. Um, what what if he's, What I think it's me too, honestly. Uh, I struggle with this addiction. Well, I'll just try really hard not to uh, to give into it. Or maybe this, and I think this is what resonates most with us, is I, God, I, do you have a plan for my future? Do you, do you have a plan for what I'm supposed to do next? Because I'm not really getting anything and so I think I'm just gonna, Take this next step of faith, take this next step in life on my own. See, what Moses tells us is in order to have faith, we have to trust God. We have to trust God. I, I got mixed up in my, in my notes a little bit. Let's see here. See, I think, I think God will put you in circumstances sometimes where you have no other choice to trust God. I think God will put you in circumstances where, where you have no other choice but to trust him, but to choose to trust God. Because here's the thing, scripture encourages me so much because it says, when I I am weak, he is strong. When I don't have a plan, he's already walked the path. That I don't have to have my life figured out because I understand that that God is taking care of me. I don't have to figure my life out. And, And see, I think this is so exciting because I really do believe that when you are in a season where you feel like you're at your lowest, that, that is the perfect opportunity, the perfect time when God is going to do something incredible in your life, where God is going to show up. And, and what I love about God is I believe when he shows up that he shows off. He's not just going to come in and try to get you through. He's, he's, going to make you, he's going to bless you, that he's actually going to help you succeed in getting through and trusting him in that trial. I think that's so encouraging to understand that God is for me. See, I think that when you really feel like you're on the edge of breakdown, that I think what you really are is on the edge of breakthrough that I think that God is about to do something incredible in your life, and the reason why I know this is because what's incredible is the Israelites, they had no idea, but in just a few verses, what this passage is really known for is that God was about to perform one of the, like, one of the greatest miracles that he's ever done, and he split the Red Sea, but the Israelites, they had, no, they had no idea. They were at their lowest point, and that's when God did one of his biggest miracles. We just need to stand still, and we need to watch the Lord fight our battles. The third step is this, just stay calm. The Lord, this is scripture, the Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. I think this verse is just, does it get you excited? Does it get you excited to understand that that the Lord is actually fighting your battles? That the Lord is fighting for you? I'm I'm so encouraged that I know that God is in my corner. That God's on my side. Did you know God's not against you? I don't know if, if you've never really been to church before and, and you feel like this, you know, maybe this is your first time ever in a church and you feel like you've gone through your whole life and you don't know really, is, like you're like, is there something that's against me that I just don't know of? Is this God that people talk about against me? I want you to understand, you have to know this. I wanna convince you today that God, God is for you, he's fighting your battles, and that he is on your side, but you have to let the Lord fight your battle. I have to understand that the battle doesn't belong to me that the battle doesn't belong to me. I wonder if there are any battles in your life where you feel like you have been fighting the battle. You haven't given it over to God. And maybe that that stress, that anxiety of taking that next step, of not knowing what to do, is because you have chosen not to trust God, not to put your faith in him. Because like I said earlier, if he said it, he will do it. And he wants to bless you, and he wants to be on your side, and he wants to help you make it through the Red Sea. He wants to help you trust him. See, God never left the Israelite people. He never failed them. He never abandoned them. And what I'm so encouraged by is in Joshua, it says this, that he will do the same for us. Joshua 1.5 says, For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. I want to convince you today the promises of God are never dependent on your circumstance. No matter what you're going through, if God promised that he will never leave you, if God promised that he will never fail you, then he will do it. He will hold true to his promise. See, that that should give us hope. That should give us peace. To understand that no matter what I go through, that I know that God will never leave me. That God will never fail me that God will never forsake me. Is that encouraging? Is that incredible? To understand that the God of the universe, the one who holds all things in his hands, is on your side, is fighting your battle. But here's the thing, you have to understand, you have to give that battle to him. You have to trust him with your life. You have to let God take control. But here's the thing, in order to stay calm, you have to rest in that peace. You have to trust him with your life. My final thought is this. Imagine if we lived lives built. Sorry, that got really loud. Imagine if we lived lives built from the foundation of faith. What would your life look like? If every situation, every circumstance, every problem that came your way, instead of saying, I'll, I'll figure it out on my own, you would respond with, God, I, God, I trust you. I'm confused, I'm lost. I don't know why this situation is going on. I don't know why you have me in this season of life where I'm graduated and I'm trying to take this next step and and what am I supposed to do? I'm so encouraged that God says, hey, just trust in me. What would your life look like if you did that? Would circumstances shake you? Would doubts consume you? Would you feel overtaken? See, maybe you're in here today and when you think about it, you've, you've never really had faith in anything beyond your circumstances. That you've never actually put your faith in Jesus. See, understanding that God is willing to take my place and to fight my battles, as a believer in Jesus, that gives me such hope and faith. That encourages me so much. That God is willing to say, hey, I, I see your battle. I know what you're going through but I'm willing to fight that. I I wanna take your place. And what I'm so encouraged by is the fact that this wasn't the only time that God took my place. See, as humans, we do this thing called sinning. And and what sin is, is it just, is anytime we fall short of God's standard. And what the sin does is, is it separates us from God. What it does is it says, God's holy and I'm not, and so I can't have that relationship with him. And, And scripture says in Romans that, the wages of sin is death. That the wage, the cost of sin is death. And, and because we have sinned, we don't deserve anything besides death. That, that's actually what, that's what your mistakes cost. And I don't, I don't know if you know this, but God actually took your place. God actually died on a cross. So that way you would never have to experience that. You would never have to experience that. See, what God did is he sent his son named Jesus. And I don't know what you've heard about Jesus. There's so many things in in the Western world that that say Jesus is this, Jesus is that. Jesus came to do this, Jesus came to do that. But what I want you to understand is what the Bible says that Jesus is, is he was the lamb. He was the one who took our place. See, Jesus came and he came to this earth earth and he lived a perfect life. He never messed up. He never made mistakes and the reason he did that is so that he could go to a cross and i don't know if you know what a, really what a cross is i think we all you know we wear the chains that have the cross on it and you know we get cross tattoos and we, and we glorify the symbol of a cross but what what's painful to understand is that the cross was a dreaded consequence of of our mistakes and and in the roman world and in that day when jesus lived that the cross was something that was feared And Jesus said, I am willing to die the deepest and the darkest death so that you could experience the greatest life. And and Jesus paid that debt for you. Jesus paid that debt for you. See, God loved every single one of us, every single one of us, that he sent his son to die. And, And I don't have a son. Most of us probably don't have children. But could you imagine what that's like to sacrifice your son to give that up, to, to, to sacrifice everything that you have for these people. See, I, I don't know if you're in here today and you might, you might say, oh, Ryan, like that's incredible. Good for you. Good for everyone who has that. But I don't think you know what I've done. I don't think you know the mistakes I've made, what I've done in my life. And, and the chances are I probably don't. But what I'm encouraged by is I know who our God is. And I know that how big your mistake is, his grace is bigger And that he's willing to forgive you of everything that you've ever done. Everything that you've ever done. But see, just knowing this doesn't get us into heaven. Just thanking him for this doesn't get us into heaven. Just hearing this on a Tuesday night doesn't doesn't enter us into that relationship with Jesus. Romans tells us this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How incredible is that? How many times have I messed up? How many times have you messed up? And all you have to do is believe? All you have to do is tell everybody? I'm so encouraged that that no matter what I do, no matter the mistakes I've made, no matter the, the thoughts that I've had, I know that God will forgive me, that he's willing to pay the penalty for every sin that I've ever made. And he's willing to do that for you as well he's willing to pay for those sins but maybe you're here like i said and and you say i just i'm sorry i'm i'm too messed up god's god's just if i enter this relationship with jesus he's gonna say cool that's cool i'm glad that you're in a relationship with now but let's go through and address everything that you've done let's get this out of the way and then we can experience everything that i have to give you the popular verse, John three sixteen that that most people know, where it tells us that God sent his son to die. It's an incredible verse, but what, I'm also, what I also think is so incredible is the verse that follows it, where it says that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, to tell you of the mistakes you've made, to tell you how bad of a person you are. No, Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, those who didn't have hope, those who didn't have peace. He came to die on a cross because he loved you so much that he wanted to give you that peace. He wanted to give you that hope. So when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, when you accept him into your life, it's not a matter of, man, okay, I have Jesus now and we're just kind of going through some things and we're figuring it out. And then, man, one day I'll, I'll really feel the life that he wants to give me, the hope that he has to give me, the peace that he has. I want you to understand today, the moment that you accept Jesus, you experience life. You experience hope. You experience peace. It happens in an instant. And I, I want to encourage you, if, if you're a Christian, if you say you're a believer in this room and, and you feel like you've made that decision, you've accepted Jesus, do you have the hope that Jesus came to give you? Or are you too busy looking at your problem? are you looking at God, or are you looking at your problem? Because it's easy to understand, it's easy to think, I'm thankful that God did that, that's what I'm gonna go ahead and tell everybody, but do you believe that for yourself, if you're a believer of Jesus in the room? Do you believe that he's actually done everything to give you hope, peace, life? I think it's important to understand that, that it's, whenever I say that Jesus gives you life, you might be confused. Because you're like, well, I'm here right now and I'm breathing and I'm living and I have life, I'm pretty sure. But what Jesus came to do is, is to give you abundant life. I, I know that when pe- I hear stories of all time, I hear stories all the time of people saying, you know what, I, I had this friend who was a believer of Jesus and, and there was something about them. There was something about them. They just had this, when life was going crazy, hashtag 2020, they had hope. They had this peace, and I was confused by it. And and I want to encourage you today that 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 is the life that God wants to give you, that you cannot live the life that God designed you to live without Jesus, without a relationship with Jesus. He fulfills you. He completes you. And so my question today is, are you all in? God's all in. I'm going to ask you to, to close your eyes and to bow your head.